0: This is The Law School Show. Discovering the person behind the resume. Bringing you their stories and their tips on how to succeed in your legal career. Catch it all here, right now, on The Law School Show. Uh, so, please tell us about yourself. Well, my name is Hugh Verrier. I'm the... Chair of Whiting Case, This is one of the giant global law firms. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm a Canadian. Yeah. I've lived in the U.S. since 1982.
1: Oh, wow. Uh, I have uh, three kids and a wife, family, mm-hmm. and uh, I've, I've stayed at Whiting Case during my entire career. <laughs> And during, during the course of my career, I've worked in a number of offices around the world.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, so, this might be a bit a while back for you, but what was your law ex- school experience like?
1: Well, I had two law, f- law school experiences one was at the University of Ottawa, and one was yes. at Harvard Law School and uh, they were very happy times in my life. I loved Ottawa, and I loved the law school, I loved the university. Uh, I look back on it very fondly. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, which is a time when when I focused on what I really enjoyed doing. You know, there were tough years, I guess, when yeah. I look back on them. But uh, Harvard was different in the sense that I was doing a graduate degree there and didn't have quite the intensity of the Mm-hmm. JD program at University of Ottawa, but it was a nice compliment to the experience at Ottawa and it gave me a chance to, you know, develop more interests in areas that, you know, I was keen to learn more about and prepare me for as it turned out. I, I didn't expect to stay in the United States, but as it's turned out, that experience was a good one too, as a prelude to it.
0: Uh, so when and how did you identify your interests? Which ones? <laughs> sorry but um, an interest in a specific area of law because a lot of students go in and um, they have difficulty pinpointing what they like or
1: yeah so um, uh, that's a powerful and important question I think uh, just a few observations- i don't I don't know how I ended up doing exactly what I'm doing, but just a few thoughts on it. Mm-hmm. Everyone I knew who came into law school or or many people had pretty strong ideas about what they wanted to be when they finished, so they wanted to be a yeah. criminal lawyer or a family lawyer and my observation was that very few of them ended doing ended up doing the thing that they thought they wanted to do uh-huh. so I don't know if it's a good thing to go in thinking that you know what you're going to do or or feel that you ought to know what you should do, because I think you don't you can't really know what you're going to like doing till you get involved in actually doing it. Other than that, mm-hmm. you're just really thinking about what sort of the idea of it is, which which is a big disconnect between that and what you you know what you're really best suited to do as a as a as a person and as a professional. Mm-hmm. So I, I I I've always felt that the best thing was to you know, stay pretty broad and go for the things that interest you and, uh, and and go for the best professors, which is a different angle on it. But I think that that's sort mm-hmm. of what I followed throughout. And uh, so when I was at Harvard, for example, I did a lot of, um, I did a thesis and courses with Roberto Unger, who
0: mm-hmm. was
1: a social theorist. Uh, and even at that time I knew I was gonna be working at White and Case in New York, so there was no real connection, but it was just something interesting to me. And I think I think I think that's sort of a good guide through what can otherwise seem to be overwhelming courses. What I tried to avoid doing yes. too was taking sort of very highly specialized seminars and things that I could have equally learned about later during the course mm. of my life, so I, I tried to stay with mainstream courses that would be hard to learn later on, you know, where you'd feel a deficiency mm-hmm. if you didn't have the chance to learn them at law school. Having said all that, yeah. when I started work in New York, uh, they said, well, you're a Canadian, <laughs> and uh, and so you do corporate work, uh, and, I, and, and having just prior to that been clerking at mm-hmm. the Canadian Supreme Court, I sort of thought I might be a litigator. My grandfather was a litigator, so I thought that's um, where I was going. Yeah. And I and I kind of resent it now when I think back on it. But uh, be that as it may, uh, I didn't have a whole lot of thinking to do.
0: <laughs> so so things sounds like things kind of just naturally unraveled as you went along.
1: Yeah, I don't know if that's weakness or strength, but that's
0: what <laughs> happened. Uh, so it, your experience is actually very unique in that you've been to a lot of different countries, like Indonesia, Russia. So, can you tell me how those experiences happen? Because a lot of times we we uh, get into this idea that if you uh, let's practice or study in a country, then you're kind of stuck in that country.
1: Well, uh, my situation was that when I joined Whiting Case, I didn't really know it at the time, but it was uh, you know becoming. You know it's relatively earlier days in becoming uh-huh. the sort of giant global firm that it now is, and um what that meant was you know they needed people who wanted to be part of that growth and to go to places that were new and some ways demanding i uh-huh. guess so uh and I was up for it because for me this was all just another you know just an, uh, a way to have a richer life and do interesting things and my colleagues here my american colleagues generally didn't want to do that so they yeah. were more focused on what was they perceived to be in their best interest by uh, staying in new york let's say
0: yeah
1: but i, I had no real vested interest in new york as much as i love loved being here mm-hmm. so uh so that was so I, I wasn't really thinking about whether it was good or not good for my career, whether I'd be pigeonholed or stuck there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, I just went again, went with the flow as to what our firm needed and what they felt I could be useful at, and I was happy to oblige. So then, when you get into it, of course, you either take to it or you or you don't, right? Yeah. And a lot of people, when they go work in an environment outside what they're used to, don't really like that, whatever it may be, mm-hmm. and. Uh, and it's tough. It's tough to go into a new environment, uh, whatever the circumstances may be. So it takes a period of of, of adjusting. Uh, but once you pass through that, you know, then you're off and running. And I enjoyed. I've lived in seven countries, and I've enjoyed each one uh, with no regrets. And I wouldn't be where I am now if it, they were dead ends.
0: <laughs> yes. Um, is there a country that you really enjoyed in particular living? Just out of curiosity.
1: Canada.
0: <laughs> For uh, the people, or just is there well, a particular? i my call. That's all. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's true. Yeah, I've been around too, and i I think I've lived in six countries or so, and yeah, Canada's still home. Um. So were there any I guess specific challenges you faced in certain countries, like let's say Indonesia?
1: Yeah, each is unique. Each has has its own unique challenges. You know, in every country this question of how much you learn the language, right? And uh-huh. how relevant that is for your work and it's always the same in every firm what your role may be is to how how fluent in the language you need to be so for some that's a challenge i learned the different languages of the countries i lived in in you know varying degrees based on um you know what was needed then uh
0: mm-hmm.
1: the uh the roles are different in every country uh, uh and it dep- again it depends on firms a lot and what their roles are within those countries at the time and then, if you have a family life and you're living in another country, then I think it depends a lot on, on the well being of your spouse and how well yes. they're enjoying it and suited to it. And, you know, for some that's tough. It can be a challenge. I was blessed in that regard. Mm-hmm. Raising children, uh, you know, similarly. Yeah. Uh, so, all the, you know, those are some of the challenges that come to mind uh, living in different places i didn't really you know and i didn't well my career was not i wasn't trying to gather a whole bunch of different places that i wanted to live Uh Uh, i was uh, wanting to do interesting things and i was uh, i felt privileged to be given the sort of opportunities that i was given and they just kept coming so that's how i ended up you -hmm. know with this um, you know more unusual background perhaps
0: yes Um, So, in terms of adjusting from being a lawyer to taking on more of a managerial role, um, what were some sort of differences that you noticed and, I guess, some challenges also that you faced?
1: Well, when you – so, I do not practice now. um, So when I became chairman in 2007, I stopped my practice. Yes. um, And that's uh, under our governance arrangement. The chair is not supposed to practice. Our, 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 our my client is the firm. I serve the firm and my partners and all the people in the firm. So it's a different. You know, that's a huge difference (laughs) for some. For some, losing the practice is a shock and something Mm -hmm. that they they regret and, and that for them is a hard thing to deal with. I haven't found that, but I, I do miss it a lot. Uh, so that's one obvious you know change. Uh, another one is um, you really have to understand the business of a law firm and, and, and how it runs as a business. These are businesses. Mm-hmm. They're professional, they're made up of professionals and they're, they're professional organizations, they're human organizations, but they're also businesses. and. Uh, in that regard, law firms all around the world have become much more business-like, certainly during the course of my career, and they'll become even more business-like mm-hmm. during your career. Uh, so when you step into management, you begin to learn about how they work. I don't know at the University of Ottawa whether you have any courses on, on law firm economics or law firm uh, as a business, but mm-hmm. there certainly weren't any in my time. And yeah. I, see, I had no business training or any background in in that side of law practice so that's a big change don't you think i mean so all of a sudden you have that dimension then then you like being ahead of any any organization you you start to understand it in its totality Mm -hmm. so until that time you, you know i was always just working hard at my particular um roles were much narrower in scope, like I was head of the Moscow office, head of the Agro office. But um, then all of a sudden you start to have an understanding of people, right, and their challenges and what they're aspiring to and their needs and all of that that I was completely unaware of. So it's a Mm -hmm. whole other dimension uh, of law practice, if you can call it law practice or law firm uh, life. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was a very dramatic change for me and I had to learn how to do it as a leader. I'm still learning. Uh, yeah. So it was a, it wasn't, it, it was a big change in my life and, and uh, I think it was a natural compliment to all these different experiences I had beforehand. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel sorry sometimes for, you know, how, uh, how as I let people have to suffer perhaps from my inexperience, but we all grow together over time and get stronger.
0: Mhm. So in that case then uh it you just slowly learned as you took on the role and adapted, just like living in a different country and adapting to mm-hmm. those situations.
1: Yeah, wow. very much so. Yes, it's a good analogy, I would say. <laughs> And
0: so you've taken it's on not for, to, It's
1: not for everyone, right? I mean Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know.
0: Yeah, I've so, spoken so to I'll other lawyers. It a taste for it yes, some other lawyers have told me that they still prefer practicing rather than the management aspect, because it, it's it's very different. <laughs> well, I guess luckily well, I, think, I. I think yeah. there's
1: also there's different there's different roles in different times of your life.
0: Mm, that's uh, true.
1: So I when I became. Uh, chair I was 51 years old you know that's a decent practicing career before that and I still may go back to practice so I don't Mm -hmm. you know I I think now's the time for me to serve the firm taking all the experiences that I've had and uh, you know I I feel like I'm doing the most that I can for the firm in my in my present role so I I don't I don't regret the fundamental uh, change
0: yeah yeah of course yeah I read You you did a massive reorganization, and uh, you brought in McKinsey as well, and there's like huge changes virtual offices in India, which I thought was pretty interesting when you talked uh, in another interview about virtual offices. So, do you see other kind of trends that will happen in the legal scape in the coming years?
1: Well, the Uh, this this trend toward becoming more business like certainly is one and that's a product of uh, many forces that are coming to bear on the mm-hmm. practice of law uh, you know clients expect more increasingly more and that was true probably when I started in practice and it's uh, remains true perhaps with greater intensity today so clients want more from their lawyers at less cost yeah. so they demand a greater efficiency than they've received in the past or at least Is being done by computers which is certainly foreseeable
0: mm-hmm.
1: and what that will mean for the practice of law it will remove it will remove increasingly the drudgery from law practice which I welcome yes. uh, and I think will make for a better careers for lawyers uh, and, and make the profession more attractive one of the regrets of my life has been a lot of the drudgery I had to do as a young lawyer throughout my career so I welcome the technological advances that will reduce that. Of course, that means fewer lawyers, uh, which is not a bad thing either in the the broad scheme of life. So, you know, but in the course of all that, there'll be a lot of changes in the way law firms are run. The other uh, force uh, Mm -hmm. bearing down on all this is greater competition It's accelerated by the client pressure I mentioned, by the technological advances, which Push efficiency, and yeah. uh, and then a greater competition, and you have new entrants, right? Partly mm-hmm. enabled by technology, partly the uh, law practice is a lucrative market. So accounting firms are uh, have targeted global law practice. You have many so-called LPOs mm-hmm. uh, looking to do you know specific aspects of what lawyers do, part of that drudgery and other higher end tasks. Yeah, and law firms themselves are more fiercely competitive, both in terms of um, attracting lawyers from other firms, uh, and, uh, and 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 in the way they price their services and, and and compete with others. So the effect of all that is, um, you know, very dramatic over the last, say, since the recession, mm-hmm. and um, I think those will continue long into the future and. Uh, Will continue to, you know, have huge impact on law
0: practice. Mm, yeah, I, I've been noticing in Canada too. There's a lot of mergers or acquisitions going on with law firms. So it's it's changing definitely, <laughs> and even apps, letting people fill out forms, legal forms. It's quite mm-hmm. interesting. Um, I. I guess this will be a fun question, but what do you think is the best thing about your job and what keeps you motivated?
1: Well, what keeps me motivated is, is uh, part of a journey that I feel that we're on, I'm talking about my farm, White & Case, mm-hmm. and, and and that is its a journey uh, toward becoming an ever more global law firm. So the firm I joined yeah. uh, in 83 was um you know 200 white males mainly in new york and it was considered one of the largest most international law firms in the world at the time and now it's 2000 and more than half of our lawyers are outside the u.s um and these are you know this is a radical change in the Mm -hmm. course of one lifetime and it's not just about being bigger it's about being very different in character so i believe that what's emerging in the legal industry are our global law firms that you know have global scope global Mm -hmm. um, um, connectivity ability to serve clients globally Uh, but that's not a static thing you don't go from not having it to building it over a a short period of time and you're global I think it's an ever-evolving journey and Mm -hmm. the global law firms that are emerging there isn't a precedent for them they're new uh, I would call them new creatures uh, that we're defining as we go. Yeah. So I think that that you know being part of that um, evolution or creation, uh, you know, as a Canadian, I find um, I find uh, kind of a fascinating and inspiring experience, and makes you know makes me want to keep doing what yeah. I'm doing and shape it in a in a in a direction that uh, you know I think will. Will uh, be worthy of the uh, of, of its purpose. So that's that's where my source of uh, inspiration mm-hmm. comes from, and and sense of privilege too. Sense of privilege to be part of it, and and sense of impact around the world too.
0: Yeah, the the global scale is really huge. I I'm just curious, um, how do lawyers actually end up I guess, working with each other, is, is it just through conferences, Skype conferences, or flying around? or? Yeah, both.
1: You know, phone, old-fashioned phone, and <laughs> uh, videos, and flying around,
0: and yeah, technology increasingly, of course. Okay, so there's there's and, a lot of teamwork, and...
1: But in truth, you know, even even deals that were done in person uh, when I was a young Mm -hmm. lawyer are done, you know, sight unseen through through computer and Internet uh, emails right through. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, So that change is going on domestically as well as globally. But once you're able to do that uh, at all, then you can do it anywhere, even Mm -hmm. remote areas. But there's no substitute. I mean, it's still it's still a people business, and there's no substitute for being, you know, having the finest lawyers in the markets where you are, and being recognized as that. And so, you know, I'm not. I don't mean to overemphasize the role of technology, but you need you need lawyers who are at the top of their game, but they need to be connected with other lawyers around the world to be to be Mm -hmm. a successful global player.
0: So for students uh, that are. I guess going to be lawyers soon. Um, What would you suggest? Some sort of characteristics that are very important to be a good lawyer or sought after lawyer.
1: Well, um, I think I still think first and foremost, someone has to do this because they want to do it, because they choose to do it, because they Uh believe in it. In this type of life, you know. Yeah. So. I think the kind of a passion and commitment and engagement with this as, as as something that you want to spend your life. It's not for everyone, and it's perfectly fine not to want yeah. to be part of that. But it doesn't work to say, "Well, I'm going to be a crackerjack lawyer for three years and then go off and do something else," because cause you you just won't be that lawyer. You won't you won't have the time and the passion and the heart, right, to mm-hmm. become the sort of lawyer that anyone wants. So. To be successful in law, yes. uh, and I'm not advocating for it, I'm saying as you asked the question, yes. uh, really requires that sort of deep commitment to it. Do you really, do you want to put in the time and passion the way a dancer does at the Bolshoi? And if the answer is, well, I don't really, I'd really mm-hmm. rather be doing something else. And why are you going into law? <laughs> right? Or, 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 or why would you be disappointed if you can't find an opportunity in the law? right? That's true. So true. I think that's still a cardinal quality in this or any other, uh, you know, area of human life. Mm-hmm. I think the other thing is, uh, you know, not everyone wants to be part of the, the global thing. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that, right? Again, it's a choice as to whether you want to want to make being part, you know, of the global market your career. Yeah. And, um uh, to do that, then you know you have to pursue opportunity, right? You have to have a sense of entrepreneurial drive that mm-hmm. you, and then confidence, right? That that you that there are opportunities for you, and that you're prepared to pursue them, and and uh, not fall prey to a very narrow calculus of well, you know. Um, uh I'm not sure where this is leading and so therefore I kind of maybe it's better to take that job on Bay Street and mm. then we'll see you from there. You know, I'm that's not true. suggesting one shouldn't go to Bay Street, but if if that's your game, then it takes a certain spirit to pursue it. And those who have that spirit will be successful. Mm. And Canadian lawyers have that gift. They they they're very well suited to um work in the global arena. They're highly sought after by uh, all the global law firms. Oh, really? Uh, so there are an abundance of opportunities for those who want to pursue
0: them. Oh, that's interesting, because a lot of times um, I've spoken to other lawyers and they they often say that it's, it's quite hard to get into the, I guess, international scene or... or well, <laughs> I don't know, may,
1: maybe it's become hard, but I think if people do well and they want it they will they will get it. Mm,
0: that's true it you know, there's also a sense I
1: hear a lot too from students more and more I don't know if this um, you hear this, Angela, but mm-hmm. you know many times you'll say, oh, it's so tough to get jobs in these big firms now, it's so much harder, and you can never become a partner and uh, I don't believe that to be the case. I think it's easier to be a partner today than it was uh, 20 years ago. Uh, but again, it re- it does require you know, a real decision that that's yes. what you want to do in life, and it's perfectly fair not to want to do it. But the notion that it sort of can't be done is why most people don't do it.
0: Oh, that's, that's a very good point. <laughs> I guess, uh, Yeah, because cause a lot of times you keep hearing that it's just harder these days, or you shouldn't do that because there's not enough chance or whatever, but I guess you never know until you try. And...
1: Well, there's no, there's no chance if you decide to, you, you want to pursue it after spending three years sort of not knowing what you want to do in life. So, I mean, <laughs> I think I think people commit themselves to at least putting their heart into what they do and then see where that goes. They'll find an abundance of opportunity.
0: Oh, what happened? Hello, sorry. I think the call there was a bad connection. It just dropped.
1: Yeah, all that talk about the advance of technology
0: <laughs> and can a phone call. Yeah. Oh man. But thank you, thank you for calling back. I was about to call back using Google Talk because <laughs> mm-hmm. it's cheaper. But uh, but yes, thanks. <laughs> um. um.
1: Can I raise another point? That, oh yes, uh, yes, of course. That I feel pretty keen about. Yes. Um, one of one of the things I loved doing was uh, clerking. Mm-hmm. I clerked uh, for Justice Bertha oh, yes at the at the Supreme Court of Canada. Mm-hmm. And it uh, was just a wonderful experience in my life, and I I commit, I, I really recommend. That everyone clerk who has any interest in doing it, or at least explore it. Again, what often you hear people say, "Well, I don't really want. I don't know if I want to be a litigator, and so it doesn't really yeah. apply to me." Uh, as I said, I, I I'm I'm not a litigator, uh, uh, although perhaps not by my choice. But <laughs> uh, I found it was a wonderful um, both life experience and it helped me through just understand how courts work, how the law works. How, uh-huh even how corporate transactions are going to be interpreted if they ever go to court. And uh, so I, I think if anyone can afford to do it and has an appetite for it, they really should explore it. And and, uh, and, and I, for some reason, there seems a bit of a decline in interest in clerking. Uh, mm. But I do think that's a great experience for anyone. I,
0: I guess part of the decline might be because there's people are still a bit worried that it's just like a one-year thing and then... What next? But I do think it's a good experience. <laughs> I mean, I want to try. But, uh, yes, it's 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 a big. Well, if,
1: desi- if you make decisions based on worry, you're you're probably invariably going to dumb down the decisions to less than what you could achieve. Really, certainly over time. So I think it's I think it's not the right way to look at. How to, how to build a lifetime that's meaningful and, mm-hmm. and an enjoyable lifetime, right? It shouldn't be what you're worried about, what the future may bring. It should be, you know, wanting to be connected with things that are that make a, a life rich and meaningful. Mm.
0: Uh, so just wondering, what was clerking like? I, I mean, I've heard about it, but I, I haven't gone through it. So. <laughs> so I was just wondering if you could maybe touch
1: a bit upon it well i found it very tough i mean it was tough it was uh the the supreme court of canada's under a you know huge workload under tremendous pressure individually the judges and for that they 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 use clerks to help them Uh, when i started there was only one clerk now there's more than one i believe
0: Yeah.
1: but um you know i think it's a mentoring type relationship where uh with a judge uh, who, who, who helps I think begin to shape your thinking as a, as a young lawyer and you see that person's thinking through the prism of the cases so mm-hmm. when you're one mm-hmm. thing to read law cases in law school its another thing to have to decide them and to through the judge uh, see how that person decides the cases and that's a and then see the life of it in the courtroom and and the participants and when you put all that together it brings the life of the law uh, alive right alive yes, in a way yes. that is uh, connects you to understand what it is and not what you sort of imagine it to be from reading a book
0: no <laughs> yeah yeah i actually had a lunch once with uh justice brown and he was just talking about experience and mm-hmm. and it's just very different uh from reading a case, <laughs> hearing his side, um, yeah, All right. Uh, so, is there one opportunity in life outside of work that you think your position has created? What do you mean? Um, just based on being a lawyer, was there something that that uh, allowed you an opportunity that you didn't? Really, foresee besides seeing the world?
1: Well, uh, I mean, uh, many, if I understand correctly. One Mm -hmm. that I'm uh, quite focused on is uh, I've been spending um, quite a lot of time helping develop the first law school in the kingdom of Bhutan.
0: Oh, wow.
1: In the Himalayas. And uh, this is a Pro bono project. Yes. We have a large pro bono practice around the world, which yes. creates you know all kinds of opportunities uh, that are you know unexpected and uh-huh. sometimes dramatic and very impactful. And that that's an unusual one that I've been working on ever, almost ever since I became chair. And they're going through a transition from a from a kingdom to a, uh-huh. a democracy, an elected parliament, and wow. they don't have lawyers or they don't have a any legal capabilities to uh, to develop lawyers, so we've been working with them uh-huh. to do that and fashion a curriculum and design all aspects of a law school that will suit their needs. And that's not the sort of thing, uh, that perhaps I imagined. No, no. In, in 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 a regular career, but I feel privileged to have had that wow. kind of opportunity.
0: A ton. wow. Oh, what what did? What What is it like, I guess, developing a, a curriculum? Did you just, was it based on Canadian law school or American or? I very curious.
1: Well, we specifically didn't want to create an Anglo-Saxon law school Ooh. for them that was yeah. based on Anglo-Saxon law. Um, which, of course, is easy to do when that's all you know. Yeah. Um they do have they do have a, do have a, a kind of a common law they also have Buddhist law Buddhist doctrine so we we had to take all the different elements that make up their legal system and combine it into create what i I think will be a very unique kind of law school and uh, we yeah. have to fight always against you know repeating what we know
0: wow that that is very very unique. <laughs> I don't think I would be able to shape our curriculum right now.
1: <laughs> ah. Well, you know, the the, uh, the kinds of things that you think you're capable of or not capable of, they change, right, in your lifetime where mm-hmm. opportunities present themselves and you, you find that you're able to do things that, you know, you may not have imagined.
0: You've just been listening to The Law School Show. You can find all our episodes on iTunes, Stitcher, or at our website at thelawschoolshow.com. If you liked what you heard, like us again on Facebook and get the latest updates from The Law School Show. Career Advancing Advice, right to your earbuds.